Hey there, Mountaineers. I'm Sydney Wentz. Welcome back to another Are You Still Watching? Like last week with Chloe doing history of sitcoms, I will be coming on here this week solo, and I'll be covering one of my favorite TV shows of all time, One Tree Hill. I'll be going over the plot and premise, the characters, iconic moments, and the cultural impact and my personal attachment to the show. One Tree Hill follows half-brothers Nathan and Lucas Scott as they navigate personal and competitive differences in their family dynamics and playing for the same basketball team. For reference to everyone listening, the quotes that I will be referencing from creator Mark Schwann are from the 45-minute reflection on the TV show that aired right before the finale in 2012. Creator Mark Schwann's vision for the show was for it to be a movie about Cain and Abel on a basketball court, but rather than spending two hours in that world, he wanted his viewers to spend 22 hours a year in that world. I'm now going to move on to our characters. So I'm going to start by prefacing this as that I view this TV show as two separate shows. The first four seasons, in my eyes, are a separate show about the boys and the girls tackling high school and those family dynamics and those problems. And the second wave of the show is those same characters followed by some new stars navigating life as adults, as parents, and as business owners. I also would like to get into some of the supporting characters that make the show what it is, as well as the parents that have shaped these characters into the people and the young people that they are throughout the course of the show. Our first wave characters, in my opinion, would be Nathan, Lucas, Haley, Peyton, and Brooke. Haley is Lucas's best friend and Nathan's girlfriend turned wife. Peyton is one of Lucas's two love interests in the first four seasons of the show. The other is Brooke Davis. Brooke is captain of the cheerleading team and the object of Lucas's affection in the first four seasons of the show. The second wave characters that I will be talking about later in the episode are Julian Baker, who will eventually become Brooke's husband, Clay, Nathan's manager when he makes it to the NBA, Quinn, one of Haley's older sisters, Alex Dupre, played by country singer Jana Kramer, Mia Catalano, played by Kate Vogel, Chase, and Jamie Scott, Haley and Nathan's son. The other supporting characters that exist all the way throughout the show are Skills Taylor, Jake Jagelski is in the first four seasons of the show, I believe, Mouth McFadden makes it all the way through seasons one through nine, and Millicent Huxtable joins during the time jump in season five, and she is Brooke's assistant at Close Over Bros. The parents that I would like to discuss in the show are Dan and Deb Scott, Karen Rowe, Keith Scott, and Victoria Davis. Dan and Deb are Nathan's parents, Dan and Karen are Lucas's parents, Keith is Dan's brother who becomes a surrogate father to Lucas, and Victoria is Brooke's absentee business owner mother. As we have talked about in almost all of our episodes, the ensemble cast is truly what makes a TV show, and this show, although it does have some very outlandish, bordering on soapy storylines... I think that these characters are is what, what make, gave this show its longevity. You have an amazing ensemble cast. You have amazing people that come through the show. 
You've had a lot of people get their names out through this show. I believe the only person that had a super big following before this show was Lee Norris, who plays Mouth, was on Boy Meets World when he was younger. He played Minkus. And Joy Lenz, who plays Haley, was in Felicity. I am now going to move on to some iconic moments. Like I said, I'm going to be splitting the show into two parts. I'm going to start with seasons one through four, reflect on those seasons, discuss the idea behind the time jump according to creator Mark Schwann, then move on to our last five seasons. So in season one, my two iconic moments I picked were the first episode game sequence because I think it was what made everyone remember and come back to the show. One, if you are a listener of the Drama Queens podcast, which I am a big fan of, they discuss how the show aired three months earlier than expected and they did not have much advertising. So as their ratings started to go up, Mark Schwann credits it to that first episode. He wanted it to be like Cain and Abel on a basketball court, the brothers duking it out, not just for a spot on the basketball team, but to prove something to themselves and to their half of their very strangely put together family. The other iconic moment that I wanted to discuss is the first glimpses into Nathan and Haley's relationship, which leads up to the very abrupt season one finale in which Haley and Nathan get married. It was always a very strange concept to me because I'll go into it during my personal attachment. I found the show around the eighth grade. I thought it was a little crazy to think about in like, oh my gosh, in two or three years, I could be meeting the love of my life. I could be getting married. It was a very outlandish idea, but it was something that's very heavily covered. I'm noticing in a lot of teen dramas from the nine, from even as early as the late 80s to the mid 2000s of high schoolers falling in love very quickly and abruptly getting married. Season two is a very unique season to me, mostly because I've seen the show an enumerated amount of times, and I really don't remember much of season two. (laughs) Season two is when uh, Mark Schwann chose to open Trick, which is the bar in which they feature a lot more of their musicians and bands. One Tree Hill truly was a show based around music of the time. Mark Schwann wanted to use it as an outlet to share his favorite artists. They brought on Kate Vogel and made her a character. They brought in Jana Kramer and gave her a character, and she started her music career. They had Gavin DeGraw, The Wreckers. They had Haley became a musical artist. And my all-time favorite person in the show, my favorite character of the whole show, is Chris Keller, played by Tyler Hilton. And he does an amazing job of portraying everyone's favorite love-to-hate villain of One Tree Hill. The other iconic moment I wanted to mention from season two was Keith's wedding to Jules, who was an escort hired by Dan to seduce Keith, make him fall in love with him, and then leave him so that he would be heartbroken because Dan believes that Keith tried to kill him. Jules is wonderfully played by Maria Menounos. Season three is... A very interesting season to me because it was the season that I think really put One Tree Hill on the map, in my opinion, not having watched it at the time that it aired. Mark Schwann talks about how they wanted to do something different and unique on account of they knew that it was going to be one, if not the last season of high school for the show. 
one of the writers had brought up Columbine, and he had said that they had whispered it. And he said, I want to say something loudly. So they created this idea where Jimmy is one of Mouth and Lucas's friends, has been feeling very estranged, has stopped going to classes, and brings a gun to school and ends up injuring himself and Peyton in the process, as well as the, I, I hate to say it's iconic, but it is a scene that really does shape the show when Dan kills his brother Keith in the hallway and blames it on Jimmy. The whole trope of the rest of season three leads to Lucas and Nathan coming to the realization that their father took their uncle's life. Another scene that is a little more positive in season three that I wanted to mention was season three, episode 18, when Rachel and all of the gang head up to Rachel's family's cabin in the woods and they spend just a weekend relaxing, having fun. Nathan reproposes to Haley for them to have their big grand wedding that kind of knocks everything out of the park. And at the end of season three, Nathan and Haley get remarried in front of all of their friends and family. And that leads us in to season four. Season four packs a lot in to its enumerated episodes. Peyton meets her estranged brother who ends up being a psycho who pretended to be her brother. His name was Derek. He attacks Brooke and Peyton in her house on prom night and Lucas saves them. In season four, episode nine, the Tree Hill Ravens win the state basketball championship. And by the end of the season, Haley and Nathan welcome their son Jamie into the world. This leads into all of them leaving for college. Brooke and Peyton are leaving for Los Angeles. Peyton has an internship with a radio station, and Brooke is going to begin her fashion career. When Mark Schwann was discussing why they did not put their time in college into the TV show, Schwann said, college is the place you go to learn those things. So let's pick up when the characters have learned those things. The actors are going to be playing their real ages, and they are going to be excited about that. I truly believe that seasons one through four were the coming-of-age high school story that you saw on channels like the WB and the CW in the early 2000s. At this time is around the time in which the WB would no longer be airing One Tree Hill and they would be transitioning over to the CW. One Tree Hill aired across two television networks in its entire nine-year run. I would like to begin now talking about season five. Season five is one of the shorter seasons. I believe it's the second shortest season, second to season nine, and it packs a lot in to that very short time. We see Tori DeVito, who um, is also in Pretty Little Liars and Chicago Med, play Crazy Nanny Carrie, who becomes obsessed with Jamie because she lost a son herself. She also entangles herself in a sort of affair with Nathan. The season begins with Nathan in a very dark place. He was a night away from the NBA draft when he got into a bar fight and was thrown through a plate glass window and paralyzed from the waist down. Lucas has written a book and fallen in love with his publisher, Lindsay. They end up getting engaged, and on the day of their wedding, after Lucas has begun writing his second book, The Comet, Lindsay leaves him realizing that he is still in love with Peyton. In season six, we get the introduction to one of my favorite characters in the TV show, Julian Baker. 
Brooke is attacked in her store by her foster daughter Samantha's friend's older brother. Very complicated storyline, but it worked in to this amazing character that we meet in season five, Quentin Fields. He is one of Lucas and Nathan's basketball players. He is helping Nathan on his comeback to trying to make it to the NBA. And he is in a gas station and he is murdered by the clerk after he sees that the clerk has already killed two other people before him. At the end of the season, we see Lucas and Peyton's wedding and Chad Michael Murray and Hillary Burton's departure from the show. And in that season six finale, we get the beautiful, harmonious payoff of Nathan making it to the NBA when he becomes a point guard for the Charlotte Bobcats. Season seven is a very unique season to me because it's kind of the season where nothing and everything happens. It's one of those seasons similar to season two where they pack a lot into it but you don't really remember anything besides things that you either see on the internet or on TikTok or that just randomly strike a chord in your brain. We are introduced to Haley's older sister, Quinn, and and Nathan's manager, Clay, and they start their eventual romance. Julian and Brooke get engaged in the season finale, and the trope that I see throughout this entire season is Quinn and Haley losing their mother to cancer and Haley's struggle with depression in the latter half of the season as her and Nathan are trying for their second child. It is revealed at the end of season seven that Haley is pregnant with their second child and then that is where we lead into season eight. Clay is a manager for different athletes and he is also a widow. Clay meets this young tennis player who reminds him very much of his wife, and she finds his wife on Facebook, goes a little crazy, and ends up breaking into Clay's beach house, which he shares with Quinn and shooting them both. They are found by Haley in the season premiere, and that is where we kick off this very crazy season. Throughout season eight, Haley is pregnant with and gives birth to her second child, Lydia Bob. Brooke and Julian finally get married, and by the end of season eight, Brooke is pregnant with her twin boys. In season nine, this is where we kind of hit the crazy line of storyline. Nathan goes on the road starting his managing career with fortitude him and clay's business they decide to start together and he is kidnapped by russian mobsters and basically held hostage for the entirety of the season Haley and brooke are reopening karen's cafe together and they meet a whole allure of challenges including xavier the man who attacked brooke in her store in season six we see dan scott's departure from the tv show as he had made his arrivals and departures throughout the entirety of the show. Dan passes away in season 9, episode 11, and we finally see the finale of the TV show at the 10th anniversary of Trick. We see an appearance by the singer of the theme song for the TV show, Gavin DeGraw, and he kind of plays the show out to its finale. One Tree Hill ran for nine seasons, 187 episodes, from 2003 to 2012. It was on the WB from 2003 to 2006 and the CW from 2006 to 2012. You can now find all nine seasons on Hulu. The thing that I wanted to mention, and it was honestly the reason when I was sitting down and thinking of ideas for what I wanted to do for this semester podcast-wise, 
I had spent my Christmas break and my summer listening to Bethany Joy, Hillary Burton, and Sophia Bush um, and their Drama Queens podcast where they go through and they've been re-watching every episode of One Tree Hill and having different guest stars come on and tell stories from the production and stories from the episodes. And it's just a very, very interesting way of analyzing a TV show. They're all amazing friends. It's a very iconic and sentimental kind of thing where they all sit down and talk about the shows and reminisce on their time in Tree Hill, North Carolina. Along with that, I wanted to share my personal attachment to One Tree Hill. I have a very deep personal attachment to this show. It was the first show my mom and I ever watched together when I was in the eighth grade. After the first time watching the show, I continued to rewatch random episodes again and again. In the ninth grade, I began consistently watching the show to the point that, as I am recording this, I have seen One Tree Hill in its entirety 12 times. When I was a sophomore in high school, my grandfather passed away, and I was struggling with keeping up with my relationships with friends and family, and just kind of shut down. During that time, One Tree Hill was my safe haven. I was transformed to that small town and found comfort in the characters. Although she does not always have the greatest moments, Brooke Davis was the character that helped me find myself again. Despite her flaws, she held her head up high, didn't care what others thought, and in the end became a successful woman with a happy life. I wanted to believe and still believe today that without this show and that specific character, I may not be here or be the same young woman. I would personally like to thank Sophia Bush for the character that she so masterfully portrayed for nine years. You were an older sister, a best friend, and a savior to not just me, but so many other young women. And for that, I thank you. That's all for now, Mountaineers. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Are You Still Watching? Listen to Are You Still Watching at thedaonline.com slash podcasts or wherever you stream podcasts.